Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you are really blessed by hearing it. Okay, so this morning we are going to be, in a sense, taking what Roger's been talking about, persistence, like never giving up, carrying on, um, in the context of prayer. We're going to be looking at that, which is really cool. And I have a couple of helpers, well actually three in all, they're going to help me out this morning. Um, So firstly, um, I can't see where he is, but would you please give a big hand for Mr. Noah Doherty. Where is he? There you go. There's the mic. Are you ready? They're a very friendly bunch. Um, Many of you will know Noah from stuff he does with the youth work when he's speaking up here and praying and it's really cool that he's come to help me so which bit of scripture are you going to read from us first so first i'm going to read from luke 18 verses 1 to 8 and it's about jesus giving a parable about prayer so one day jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope he shared them this illustration in a certain town there was a civil judge a thick-skinned and goddess man he who had feared of others' opinions. There was a poor widow in, the, in that town who kept pleading the judge, grant me ju- justice and protect me against my oppressor. He ignored her pleases for quite some time, but he, she kept asking. Eventually he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and do not care about the opinions of others, I'll just get her off my back by answering her claims of justice and I'll roar in her favour. Then she'll leave me alone. The Lord continue. Did you hear that ungodly judge judge said that he would not answer her persistent request? Do you know that God is the true judge? will grant you justice in all of which you choose, chosen ones, who cry out to him night and day. He will pour out the Spirit upon them. He will not delay to answers and give you what you ask for. God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow was with the judge. Yet when the Son of Man comes back, Will you find this kind of persistence, faithfulness in the people? Brilliant. Well done. Stay there. Yeah, so pray without ever giving up. Be persistent. And then this kind of killer question that Jesus says, and if and when I come to see you, will I find such persistent faithfulness among you? That is a big question. Now, because I want to get good value out of Noah, he's not going away just yet. He's going to read us another passage of Scripture. And that's because... Just hold your horses. That's because um, I want to do two things this morning. Uh, And the first thing I want to do is to look at a a kind of general principle, like a, a big thing about how God works in our lives. And then we'll kind of... Look at how that works out in prayer. Oh, I've gone loud. I think that's an important point. Okay. General principle about how God works. Then persistence in prayer. 
So which bit are you going to read for us now? I'm going to read Joshua 18. So the allotments of the remaining land. Now, the land was under Israelite control. The entire community of Israel gathered at Shilion and set up the tabernacles. But there were remaining seven tribes who had not yet allotted their grants of the land. Then Joshua asked them, How long are you going to wait before taking possessions of the remaining land the Lord God of your ancestors has given to you? Shall I take the mic? Don't go away, though. Noah's work is not yet finished. You just stand there. Okay, panic. Right, my second helper, the youth policy of St. Saviour's, the evergreen, the inspirational, Mr. Jim Devine. <laughs> Are you okay coming up here, Jim? You're going to look at that. Jim, look at Now, tell you what. No, you come stand here. Jim, come on. Come over here a bit. Watch out. There's all kinds of obstacles. There's a, every single thing in the health and safety book we've ignored this morning, this, but it'll be fine. Okay, now the thing is, neither Jim nor Noah have any idea what is going to happen next, okay? So, <laughs> so, so let's see what happens. Now, you know Jim as Jim, but today, Jim is playing God, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Now, Jim, it's a pretty big part, but it's, I think you've been preparing all your life for this part. So, today, Jim is God. I don't want to overstretch myself this morning, so I am playing me. <laughs> In fact, I am playing the current generation. So, for those of us who are in work or maybe looking for work, those of us who are raising families, those of us who are contributing to our communities, the current generation is me. And Noah here is representing the generation to come. Okay, you with me so far? Good. Somebody in the front row is with me. This is encouraging. Now, the thing about that passage, the second passage of Scripture that Noah read to us was about the tribes of Israel and Joshua, in effect, was giving a number of the tribes the most enormous kick up the backside for saying, what are you doing where you are? Why have you not gone and taken possession of the land that God has already given to you? So there's a fundamental principle here at work, which is that God goes ahead of us to conquer, some translations use it, or to give us that which is in his will and his purpose for us. If you think about it, the way Jesus taught us to pray was our Father in heaven. Your will be done, your kingdom come. So God goes ahead of us to conquer the territory, the things in our lives that he wants us to have. So Jim, if you could take a smart turn to the left, and if you can avoid any trips, just take two or three good steps to the left. Maybe one more. Excellent. 
God has gone before us to take possession of the land that he's got for us. Now, the land in the passage from Joshua that Noah read to us, that was land. But it could be anything in our lives, the thing that Roger has talked about, whether it's physical health, whether it's healing, whether it's a job, whether it's a home, whatever it is in your life that God has got for you, God has gone ahead of us, and he has determined that it will be yours and mine if it's his will and his purpose. But you will have observed something. You will have observed that Jim, God, is over there, and I am here, which simply reflects the fact that just because God has willed it, just because it is what he has conquered for us, does not necessarily mean it will happen, because I am still here, and God is over there. And what that passage from Joshua reminds us is we, the current generation, we have to take possession of the land which God has given us. So I need to go and join Jim, God, where he is. I need to take possession. And the journey from here to here, as Roger has already explained to us, can be a long and winding road, but it will always involve faith and it will always involve prayer. Now, as you can see, Noah, we haven't forgotten you, Noah, don't worry. Noah is still over there. But when God conquers and we, the current generation, take possession of what God has given us, the generation to come will inherit. Come and join us, Noah. And that is how God works. Now, just to make sure, you, if you come over here, Noah, the other side of Jim. Jim, you come to me. Now, come to the right, Noah. Uh, not Noah. There we go. There we go. Now, I'm just going to try and illustrate this one more time. But this is the perfect way it happens. Now, Jim, if you turn to the right, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere just yet. God's in a hurry. Just turn to the right. There we go. I'm going to put my hand on Jim. Because wherever God goes, I need to follow and possess which God has given me. Now, Noah, find, turn around. Find something of me to hang on to. Just be careful, though. Yeah, the arm will do. You never know. Now, and then we're going to try and march together. Because this is how it works perfectly. Now, you're an old military man, aren't you? I think when you start to march, you start with your left foot, don't you? So on the count of three, we're going to march. And Jim, start with your left foot. If we end up in a heap, are you ready? Three, two, one, off we go. Look at that. God conquers, we take possession, and there we are. Don't go away just yet. Don't go away just yet. Noah, just take a step to the left. There you go. You've got to work people hard when they're taking the trouble to come up here. There's a sting in the tail of this, though, which I think you know, but it's worth us reminding ourselves about. God conquers. He goes ahead of us to determine in his will what he's got for us. But if we, the current generation, if we do not take possession of that which God has given us, the generation to come 
will inherit a battle that they were not intended to fight. Do you get that? God conquers, he goes ahead of us. But if we, the current generation, do not possess that which God has given us, the generation to come will inherit a battle they were not intended to fight. That's how important it is that when we understand God's will and his purpose, that we stand strong, as Roger has talked to us about, and in prayer and in faithfulness, we take possession so that the generation to come can also inherit that which God has got for them. Thank you very much, guys. Do you need a, do you need a hand down? You're right. You're right. You're right. Thank you, Noah. Superb. Well done, Jim. Fantastic. Because it's simply like this. If you put a deposit down to rent a house, or you put a deposit down to buy a house, once you've paid the deposit, it's yours. But until you move in, you're not living in it. And your family and friends can't go with you. You know this to be true. God goes before us. We take possession. And then the generation to follow can inherit what God has got for them. Would you like to know who amongst you will be the most successful and the most effective in life? <laughs> Some of you are going, I'm not sure I really do. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to tell you anyway. Because <laughs> again, there's a simple truth. That how effective and how successful you are in life has got nothing to do with what you look like. It's got nothing to do with what you possess or you don't possess. In fact, it's got nothing to do with how intelligent you are, how high your IQ is. It's got nothing to do with your circumstances. Those of you who will be the most effective and the most successful in life are those of you that have a passion and a spirit of perseverance to see a long-term goal that God has given you come to reality. If you have a passion and a perseverance to see a long-term goal that God has given you come to reality, and you never lose sight of that, those are always the most effective people in life. But you know this to be true. I mean, has anybody here ever taken an exam in their lives? Anyone got one coming up this, this school year? Did you enjoy the homework? Did you determine never to give up? To persevere in the homework for the long-term goal of the exam. You did. Has anybody ever trained for a sporting event? Anybody play footy here? Oh, yeah. There's a few Chelsea supporters over there. Has anybody ever persevered in the training, whether it was footy or ballet or dance or whatever your thing is? Yeah. Did you persevere? You never give up because you want to get to be the best you can be. Actually, we've just heard about friendship. 
Anybody got some good friends? Have you ever had to persevere in that friendship, to never give up whatever the circumstances where true friendship is born and nurtured, to never give up? You know this to be true. And it's true in prayer too. It's true in prayer too. That that which God has given us, his will, his purpose, we need to take hold of that and persevere and persevere in prayer. And do you know how long you pray for? Do you know how long you pray for? You pray until, until, until God has done what he promised to do. And if you want to know what that looks like, well, many of you will have many of examples. But Sally here is going to come and tell us one thing, one way it looks to her. Come on, Sally. There you go. Um, right, to be perfectly honest, I haven't really practiced this. <laughs> I thought, I felt God say, just open your mouth and see what comes out. So here goes. Um, not to sidetrack from what Guy said, but I'm someone who really struggles with what a loving father is and is God safe and does he really care? And I'm still working with that after 40 years of being a Christian. Um, I think I was born with fear in my DNA so I battle with that too however faith says that's all a lie so keep on keeping on believing what it says in the word even though your body and your mind tells you something else so um, I was privileged through a lot of fear in my childhood to marry my husband over here who's a very gracious man and has put up with a lot <laughs> over the years um, um, two beautiful children um, which I never thought I'd ever have life was great I was in control, you know, we came to church from birth, but in there, so I, everything was fine, I had a great time until they hit the teenage years when they started to think, hmm, there's another world out there, I think I want to go and have a look. My daughter, Charlotte, who's 29 now, at 14, found a nightclub she could go to in Woking, um, and nightclubbed through all her teenage years, her university years, and carried on raving till she was about 25. She only told me three weeks ago that she did drugs as well. I nearly fell off my chair. I didn't think my kids did things like that. Um, I, couldn't, I still can't believe it, but she, she, that's what she did. She said it's what people do to have fun. It's not, you know, they don't do it every day, but they go raving and that's what they do. A lot of alcohol, all that sort of stuff. I used to go out clubbing. I used to wake up in the night, fear, terrible fear. Where is she? Is she gonna come home safe? Um, our son went off to university. He told me, yeah, he did drugs and all sorts of things. He was baptised here at 13, but somewhere in his teenage years decided he wanted to have a look at life. Um, Charlotte was in Ibiza partying when he was baptised. Nowhere around to support him. Anyway, off he went, doing what he did. Um, I used to pray. How do you pray? <laughs> what, what is prayer? <laughs> Why do we do it? But we do. Pray without ceasing. What did that look like for me? God, keep them safe. Please bring them home. <laughs> Protect them from irreversible choices. May they become disillusioned with the world. All sorts of prayers. Then one day, I, I found a little book 
which I've had 25 years, but most people will have heard of this, the prayer of Jabez, about praying blessings, about not so much, please do this, please do that. So I, I started to pray, God, may they be all you destined them to be. I don't know what that looks like. I just thought that was keep them safe, bring them home, get them married, nice job, all the rest of it. Anyway, Matthew, some of you would have heard a little bit of this, what I'm going to say now. Matthew came back from university. He didn't tell me this, but he started to feel troubled about his hedonistic lifestyle. Um, apparently, he came to see Ron, who I don't think he even knew you, did he? But he got hold of you somehow. Came to see Ron. Um, apparently, they prayed together because he felt troubled about his lifestyle and where he was going. And I think Ron said, prayed with him that, you know, he's trying to hang on to a, an old life. Um, so he came home. He was planning to move to London to carry on uni life up there. He started going to um, church. Um, God did something in his heart miraculously because he came up to me a few months later and said, Mom, I've got something to tell you. Oh, yeah, what does that mean? Um, I think God's telling me to go to Bible college. So off he goes to Bible college, gets a sabbatical from his job. He's, excuse me. He's a software engineer, so, you know, good job, good salary, but they honoured him and gave him a sabbatical. So off he goes. Somewhere during that time he gets glandular fever and post-viral fatigue, which he still suffers with. Um, he went back to work but didn't feel that's where God would have him be, so he's now resigned from his job after much prayer, talking to his pastor and his mentor at Bible College, and he's now no money, living by faith, resigned from his job and gone back to um, Bible college. Last night I said to him, how's it going? He said, well, God's talking to me, revealing a lot to me. And I'm thinking, really? This is incredible that you're having this experience because it's not mine, I can assure you. He's, he's teaching me about overcoming my health issues, about not reveling in the problem, about enjoying what I can enjoy while I'm on the way to where I'm going. Um, so he's really overcoming and dealing with his own challenges. Um, and that's where he's at. Charlotte, at 25, um, an old friend rang her up and said, let's go to church. So she went back to church. I'm thinking, this is my daughter. What is she doing? She's normally in bed on a Sunday morning, recovering from the night before. So she started going back to church. God's grabbed her heart. She got baptised six weeks ago. Um, and the, the amazing thing is... All her school friends who aren't Christians, who respect the fact that she used to go to raves on drugs and all the rest of it, and she's not anymore, can see a big change in her life. And they were there watching her baptised, and they were really, you know, cheering her on, and they have really no understanding of what she was doing. So she said to me this morning, I don't regret what I did, Mum. I'm thankful that God kept me safe. But I can, they, my friends can relate and see a change in me, and the same thing with Matt. So... My dining room table now is littered with books, Bibles, not my Bibles, not my books, her stuff. That <laughs> she hardly watches any telly. She's really, God is grabbing her heart too. So all I would say is to you parents out there whose kids aren't in church, I've been there, I've sat there and thought, it's not fair. Some people's kids are still in church, mine aren't. What is it? Why? It's not fair. I haven't done anything different. But just keep on praying and don't give up. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. That's it, isn't it? I'll just finish with this because, you know, I remember 
when, when our son James was learning to ride his bicycle. Anybody ever learned to ride a bicycle here? <laughs> ah, well, yes. And I remember that when we first started, I would grab the left-hand handlebar and, and the back of the seat, like thousands of dads have done over generations before, and, and, and we would, I would run along the road, and he'd be whooping and shouting, and he'd be loving it, and he'd say, go on, more, Dad, let's do it again, and, you know, I'd get progressively more and more exhausted, and, and, uh, and I'd be running along. Then, of course, after a while, I realized that the kind of bike was leaning at about a 45-degree angle, and he was just leaning into me, and he could feel me there, and he knew I was there, and he was having a great time, and I was getting really exhausted, and there wasn't much bike riding learning going on. So, gradually, I took my hand off the handlebar, and I moved behind him, and he couldn't feel me anymore. He wasn't too sure whether I was there or not, and I was holding him lightly, and he couldn't feel my touch. And um, he didn't like it quite as much. He didn't enjoy it. And the whooping and the yelling and, come on, Dad, let's do more, that faded away a bit. And then the wobbles came, and, and he took a few hits. You know, he got some bruised knees and a cut elbow. And at one point, he sort of kicked the bike and said, I don't want to ride that stupid bike anymore, Dad. And we'd talk and we'd reflect. We'd wipe the tears away and then back up on the bike. And then I'd hold him lightly where he couldn't see me and he couldn't feel me. But of course, through the wobbles, over time, over time, he learned how to ride that bike. And eventually, like many of you, he took off. But he also learned a lesson about life, of course, not just learning to ride a bicycle. Because as we've heard from Roger, as we've heard from Sally, he learned something about what I would call spiritual grit. And it's what we all need. Because when our Father is holding us lightly and we can't feel his presence or his touch, and we wonder sometimes whether he's really there or not, we learn about that spiritual grit, that which God talked about in that Bible passage that Noah read to us about never giving up, about being persistent, because we're going to need that spiritual grit in life. Um, but when we have it, nobody can take it away from us. And God will always honor that. God bless you. For more information, please go to www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.